You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Star Trek Picard. But before we do that, just a little bit on what's been going on over here. Beth and I have caught up through season five of The Expanse. We're waiting for season six to finish so that we can binge it. We might wait until the next to last episode drops just so that we can start catching up by watching a few episodes here. You know, like maybe we'll watch one, two, and three or whatever, and then the next time we'll watch all or the rest or whatever. But we're waiting until it's almost done to finish. In the meantime, we've finished Hawkeye. It's, I guess, a solid show, but of all the stuff that Marvel's put on Disney+, Plus, it's my least favorite. It's kind of slow. I don't feel like Renner really has his heart in it. And it's just kind of, yeah, there's some cool things that happen, some characters that are introduced, but it kind of hurts that I'm not a huge fan at all of how, and, and this isn't a character that I'm familiar with from the comics, but the whole Kate Bishop character, I don't like her. And I don't know if it's true to the comics or not, but I don't like her. And when she is the focal point of the series, even more so than Clint Barton himself, it's kind of problematic for my enjoyment of the show, so it's kind of weak, so it's not my favorite. We've also started watching Lost in Space Season 3. That's another one I'm going to be sort of sad to see go. So far, really enjoying that one. So while we're waiting for shows to come back, because we're recording this in December, while we're waiting for shows to come back, we'll be watching a lot of streaming shows, getting caught up on those, or watching new ones, or whatever. We'll probably swing back and watch Continuum. That's not a streaming show, of course, but that's a show we came to kind of late after we finished Lost in Space, I imagine. And yeah, we'll see how things go from there. Be nice to pick up Umbrella Academy, but I don't know what else might be out that Beth would be interested in watching. There's a lot of things that have been on my shortlist for a while, and this is kind of an opportunity to watch those, so we'll just see how those things kind of go. I mean, otherwise, not a whole lot's going on. Chicago TARDIS was great. I really enjoyed that. I think I'm going to get some interviews coming out of that. I've mentioned before on the show that I'm in talks to do an interview with the uh, X-Men 97 people. They kind of postponed it until after the holidays. We were originally going to record before the holidays. But they said that basically they're having a meeting with Marvel just before, you know, the holidays start. And they said they'd know a whole lot more after the holidays. So that sounds good to me. So hopefully, (laughs) hopefully the time this episode comes out, I've already done the interview. And that will be really cool because I'm really fascinated about that show. But anyway, I guess I'm just kind of meandering at this point. This one was recorded over a year ago, which is why I'm posting this intro. You know, several things are mentioned, which are kind of out of date now. You know, things that people have been doing or whatnot, like Stephanie has already bought her new home and all that kind of stuff. 
She does talk about that a little bit when I ask people how they've been doing and what they've been up to. So just keep that in mind. This is a year and a half old episode, but I wanted to get it out before the new season of Picard airs. And that's also why this one hasn't been prioritized, as I knew that the new season of Picard wasn't coming out for a while. And so kind of, you know, this one is one of those ones that sort of slid backwards. But now, without further ado, here is the episode already in progress. Let's meet our cast for this week. So starting up, he's your favorite Roman and mine. He's always got a drink in hand. And that is James. How are you doing, James? I'm good. That's good. And so I know last time you were on, you were talking about like your various like career woes and uh, <laughs> not being sure you, you had a job. Uh, Schrodinger's and, job. <laughs> yeah, Schrodinger's job. So has that situation resolved itself? It actually has. I'm pleased. Good. I'm pleased to say uh, I officially accepted uh, a new job as of Tuesday. Um, so I'm just finishing out my two weeks in my current job. And yeah, pretty excited. Okay. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so I wasn't sure because you said like your job like was ending in September. So I was like, on September 1st, is it like just gone or, you know, does that work? So, yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. Well, anything fun been going on for you? Um, not too much fun. No. Um, recently got into, uh, so of course I'm, I'm a big video gamer for those listening who don't know. Um, and so recently I've just been touching back on some games that, uh, are kind of in my backlog. So just finishing up a couple of those. Uh, they just recently, recently released a remake for Battletoads. Um, I haven't had an opportunity to actually play it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited and nervous. Cause I mean, I grew up playing like Battletoads on Nintendo and things like that. And I was like, this is either going to be a hearkening back to the olden days or I'm going to hate it. It's one of the two. That is nervous sighted. Yeah. <laughs> it's an actual thing. But, <laughs> but what system is that for? Uh, for the Xbox One. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, because I remember Battletoads. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, what, what are you drinking? Oh, so tonight. Uh, so um, kind of in celebration since last weekend, actually, because I thought I, I was like for sure into the job. And then they're like, oh, no, the background check hasn't gone through. So I celebrated a little pre-early. So continuing that on tonight, I am drinking um, a wonderful 16-year Lagavulin scotch. Um, this is an expensive scotch. Uh, well, not like crazy expensive, but for most expensive, it's about 100 bucks for a bottle. Um, it's very, uh, it's, it's a peatier, uh, peatier uh, flavor in it um, with some smokiness, uh, which means it comes from generally when they have that flavor, they come from uh, the Scottish Isles. Uh, so like mm. the Speyside region of Scotland and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But this isn't too bad. It's uh, the peat flavor is not overpowering. So it doesn't taste like you're just like chewing on some moss or something. <laughs> um, it's a nice subtle hint, um, just enough. Uh, like this is the kind of scotch that um, a lot of connoisseurs would get, go, yeah, a good cigar would go really well with this. Mm-hmm. I don't smoke, so I just enjoy the scotch. All right, very cool, very cool. So what's what whiskey would pair well with Battletoads? What whiskey <laughs> would pair well with Battletoads? Oh, man. Here's a question I never thought I'd hear. Uh, probably, I mean, if I had to throw one out there, since I haven't really played, God, if, if we're looking back at my experience based on the Nintendo games, yeah. um, I mean, that game is full of a lot of rage and frustration. Yes. So I feel like what's going to pair the best with that um, is just like a, a good, like, like, 
Jack or or like a good Jack Daniels mm. <laughs> or or something like on that lower spectrum of the whiskey table uh, because that just incites rage in most people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So Stephanie, I, I'm guessing you haven't been on too many with James, and I, I haven't really looked back to see. Um, James is literally like the expert on whiskey. Like he like <laughs> knows everything about whiskey. And in fact, if there is whiskey on a television show or something, he even goes the extra mile and researches it to find out if it's real or not. And he True. even like gave like a report on Black Lightning and the whiskey that was used in Black Lightning one time. I'm still <laughs> disappointed that it's not a real thing. <laughs> But the fact that somebody actually had a screenshot of the label and you were able to read it and everything, it still amazes me. So. Right. It's like, why am I pursuing like journalism and a podcasting <laughs> culture? I just need to make a website that's like, is this whiskey real on this TV show? <laughs> oh, man. So, so you're not going to disappoint me, James. Do you have like information to bring for all the alcoholic beverages in Star Trek Picard? Oh man, there are so many alcoholic beverages, and I was just like, you know, I know, I know, Romulan ale's not a real thing, right, yes. but I, but based oh, on I'm the sure reaction it, of people, I'm like, I want it to be a real thing. I'm sure that some fans somewhere have cooked up Romulan ale. Oh, I know right. for a fact they have, but still not the same thing. Right, sure. sure. I still want to know what's in Ractagino, personally. Oh, it's, uh, oh yeah, yeah, it's probably blood and coffee. <laughs> Buy no clean things. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> all right, well, James, it is good to have you back on the show. Always good to be back. All right, and next up, that voice that you just heard, she is my co-host talking about Doctor Who on the Time Streams Project, and that is Juliet. How are you doing, Juliet? I am doing so well this week. Well, good. Good to hear. And 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 why are you doing so well at this particular time, Juliet? I turned forty this week and I didn't die. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I say that you about, say that. I thought you were going to talk about what you're drinking at the moment. Oh no, that's going to come later. Like, okay. I turned forty and then ran a four k at like six thirty that morning for some reason. It's a day I, I had PTO off from work. I for some reason woke up early and thought I'm going to run five k right now. <laughs> And I, I don't know why, but I did. And I had a cute little medal that says happy birthday to me. And uh, I drank a lot that day. I drank a ton Saturday night whenever we did a video call with a bunch of friends. By the way, my friends who are also all 40 or older were in, matching. We were all doing shots. I, we did like four or five rounds of shots in just a couple of hours. I'm surprised I survived a Sunday. That is impressive. Thank you. I'm very pleased with that. <laughs> <laughs> so... So um, what else is going on for you, Julia? Um, I've gotten into a couple new shows. Uh, speaking of video games, I just watched that Netflix series, High Score, which did some history of video games, some of which I knew, some of mm. which I didn't. It talked. They had the dude who made E.T. on it, which cracked me up based on a previous conversation we've had. And uh, what else have I been doing? Watching Star Trek Lower Decks, which I've discovered all of my friends either love that show or hate that show. Mm. I love it. <laughs> From the moment that cold open of the, the teaser of the first episode where she's drunk and waving around a bat left, I was all in. Please don't go further than the first episode. <laughs> I've watched all of them so far. I like them. Yeah, I'm just saying. I've only oh, watched oh, the first one so far. Okay, yeah, no spoilers. The only thing I was going to ever talk about with it was just that cold opening. Okay. I saw but, that. <laughs> yeah, no, that was like, oh yeah, that would be me. 
<laughs> yeah, that's not one that I've even like turned on or looked at or anything. So it's like watching an animated Galaxy Quest, but really Star Trek. Yeah, it's the really Star Trek part that's good. You know, like like the Orville. It's like okay because it's not Star Trek, even though it is kind of like trying to be. Star- it's like the calling it Star Trek makes me like really not like that kind of humor. <laughs> So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But um, yeah, so, but uh, yeah, no, high score. I've been hearing about that um, quite a bit. I I don't know if they're going to have anything on there that I haven't already like seen or heard somewhere or anything, but I'm definitely curious in that one. It's worth watching. It's all of six episodes long. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, it's just like I'm on like what episode 120 of a podcast that talks about video game history. So <laughs> I know a lot. <laughs> so anyway. All right. Well, Julia, it is great having you back on the show. It's good to be here. And finally, finally, it is. Yes. She is my co-host for all of these Star Trek episodes. Uh, I have known her for a ridiculously long amount of time. She is a cosplayer. So is Juliet, but you know. Uh, (laughs) That is my friend Stephanie. How are you doing, Stephanie? I'm doing all right. I'm amused that you introduced me as a cosplayer when I barely do that anymore. But, you know, that's how we met. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's how I think of you anyway, even if... uh, even if you don't do it that much anymore. Whereas this year is the first year I haven't gone to a con since 2005. Mm. Um, and even then, it's always been at least two or three a year. But I mean, I'm not complaining. I would rather not be going to cons right now. Right. Situation yeah. of the world. I can't believe um, movie theaters are opening. <laughs> I don't either. Um, I I know the first convention we had for the year because at conventions I help run a photo booth and we're contracted with conventions and they weren't canceling they weren't canceling they weren't canceling and we would have breached contract if we didn't go and I was just getting so paranoid and like at the last second they canceled I was like oh thank god and I haven't been to a con since well I haven't been to a con since Yomacon last uh halloween oh okay yeah yeah mine my last con was dragon con last year (laughs) no chicago tardis chicago tardis that was after dragon con and go figure i actually had multiple costumes planned for this year (laughs) (laughs) nice and so clearly i've been using this time to get a real head start on them and yeah, no, I haven't given that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but like, even when you don't make new ones, do you wear ones that you already have? Uh, depends on how much staff we have at the convention. Mm. Uh, most of our smaller ones, it's me and Tim and uh, Mike, the guy who actually owns everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those ones, we really don't have the staff for me to be getting ready and ultimately needing to go change and stuff like that. Um, but the bigger cons where we have a larger amount of staff with us, I'll usually wear at least one thing. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, I tend to cosplay too, but I only have a handful of, co- you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll just wear ones I've already worn before, you know, whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but, uh, yeah. So, um, so besides not cosplaying and not going to cons, uh, what's been going on for you, Stephanie? Uh, well, I, in, it, a year ago, I started my fourth book, and it took a really long time for me to write, like, the first 60 pages. Um, and since the beginning, middle-ish of July, I've written a 
about uh, 80-ish pages. Woot, woot. <laughs> Not bad. Um, so it, I just find it kind of funny that I went from this very, very, very slow pace to in a couple of weeks, I made more progress than what I had done over the course of a year. Um, but I finally got to a point in my series that I had been itching to write since I started it. Um, but it unfortunately happens in the fourth book. So it took me a while to get to it. Um, the inspiration was that you found that reference to that old, like, uh, Viking time traveling vampire <laughs> oh, book. And you were like, this is such trash and it got published and I'm going to write to prove that you know, I can do better than this nonsense. <laughs> I can't lie that every year when that pops up in my memories, I do have a surge of needing to write. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that had something to do with it. But this surge actually started before that actually popped up in my Facebook memories. Um, no, it's seriously, it's just a very big moment in the overall series um, that I had just been very eager to write because it changes a lot of what has been going on in the world and stuff like that. So it's a very pivotal moment and I was excited to finally get to it. But yeah. Uh, other than that, I've just been working, not leaving the house. And, uh, well, tomorrow I'm going to be going to a bunch of people's houses because I'm on the hunt for a new house. But fortunately, all the ones that we're looking at are already unoccupied. So <laughs> we just get to creep through empty houses. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to repeat the situation when you moved into your current house. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay oh I'll, I'll bypass that then all right <laughs> let's get you back on the show stephanie always fun to be here all right so uh next up you know what time it is it's time for our five minute controversy and this is where we just talk about something to loosen up before our topic and let the people at home know a little bit about how we stand on something that's been going on and uh for this one i wanted to talk about the announcement that the star trek strange new world series which will follow pike is going to be episodic and not deal into storylines and and you know season arcs and things like that so definitely hearkening back more towards the original series and next gen as far as that goes and what do you think because uh, i've i've heard some reactions both ways on this one so uh do you think that's a good move do you think that you know getting rid of story arcs is kind of pointless or do you think that oh yeah definitely like keep things from getting bogged down make it easy for people to just pick up individual episodes so um let's start with you on this one stephanie um, well, you have heard me go off on how much I do love serialized stories many, many times. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's kind of apparent for the fact that I'm in my fourth novel right now, and I'm just getting <laughs> to a point that I've really been excited to do since I started writing three years ago. It's apparent because you like Babylon 5. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I've always been a big fan of serialized stories. Um, right now I'm in the middle of rewatching Battlestar Galactica from 2003. Um, and <laughs> that's a very serialized story. Babylon 5, as you said, it's my favorite sci-fi ever. However, I'm also a huge Star Trek fan and most Star Treks are episodic. So I really don't care. <laughs> 
um, I, I think it'll be fun. I'm just happy to see more of Pike because I thought he was phenomenal. Um, so yeah, I, I'm totally cool with them going to a more uh, traditional Star Trek path <laughs> um, with being episodic as opposed to serial and hopefully it'll kill some of the um, the monstrous fans who just keep complaining about serialized Star Trek. Because mm-hmm. they drive me nuts. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, what do you think, James? Um, I mean, I'm just happy for anything that's like more Pike. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's, I think a lot of TV shows follow um, that serialized format. Like, that's a lot of what we're inundated with with a lot of shows because you do have a lot of people who are like, oh, no, I like the overarching story, which I don't mind. I do like overarching stories, but I only like overarching stories that actually, like, meld well um where we have a lot of consistency and i think that's one of the things that they pointed out with discovery uh, especially like season one um there was a lot of like plot hole issues things like that um and that that seemed to be a lot of the big complaint from um like fans of the franchise or even just fans of just that series was they were just like there's like some things here that just don't make sense and that unfortunately i think is just a side effect of um doing something serialized whereas episodic we have the advantage of like it's again you're telling something that's a more contained story so it's a little easier i think to really analyze like where you're going with it um i i've watched both versions and i've been happy with both versions in the star trek universe so i mean it'll be interesting to go back to um you know what what fans really liked about the older uh shows and all that kind of stuff uh to see if that makes it a little more self-contained and a little more um entertaining because of that but again i just i just want i just want more pike like uh this guy this guy um the the actor who plays pike like he's just had such a bad run of it over the last couple of years with some other projects that i was just like you wouldn't be talking about inhumans would you no i would (laughs) never we just try to pretend that doesn't exist. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it was just like, he just got such a bad run of it. And like, he is a really solid actor. So I really like him in the role. And no matter how it how it plays out, if they choose to go uh, more um, episodic to start and then fans still aren't happy and they're like, screw it, we'll just go back to serialized. Who knows? Like, well, uh, again, as long as I just get plenty of this actor delivering a great Pike performance, I'll be happy. And Juliet? I mean, I'm kind of okay with it. I I like Star Trek serialized. I like Star Trek episodic. It all depends on the series itself. Like, DS9 lent itself beautifully to, like, serialized and beautiful like give me the fantastic story Battlestar Galactica but I also kind of dig the original Next Generation and we had a discussion once where I don't know if it would have been better if we'd had long story arcs with it or not or not um I'm curious to see what they do with it because it's going to be feel like it's you know older Star Trek in the timeline maybe I'll be okay with it and it'll just naturally fall into that area in my brain but I'm willing to give it a chance just because it's Star Trek and I want to see what they do I'm definitely going to give it a chance. 
I just feel like this is a response to the people who have been complaining about everything, you know, since Discovery, since Picard. The people are like, it's not real Star Trek. It's not real Star Trek. And it just feels like this is like, fine, we'll give you something that feels like the old Star Trek, which from a marketing standpoint, okay, makes sense. But to me, it's like, I don't know. I feel like there's no downside to having story arcs, really, other than by pleasing the people who don't like it. <laughs> you know? it's just like, Maybe they'll do something like have, you know, episodic things that still build into a story arc. Mm. Look at Supernatural. They do that fantastically well. In fact, in the middle of a, a story arc, they'll be like, they basically announce that they're doing a monster of the week to each other. <laughs> but it works yeah. out. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I think I... I well, I mean, even when Star Trek does story arcs, Star Trek has never done the super tight thing, like where each episode leads into the next directly. You know, it's always been more of just the, it's an arc that runs through the season, but there are like some episodes like sort of in there that don't have to be like followed. You know, so I'm not sure that, well, except for Picard. Picard's the one exception to that, I would think. But, um, you know, but like Star Trek doesn't generally, you know, do that with story arcs. So I think when they say no story arcs and it's episodic, I think they mean like true, like original series, like, you know, there might be like one or two things that get mentioned again, but like, it's never going to be like, you know, you need to watch an episode to understand another episode kind of thing. So um, that that's what I think they mean by that anyway. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, I don't see the downside to doing arcs. Um, and so I've never understood because to me it just feels like the natural evolution of storytelling. Um, so it's like it kind of feels like a step backwards to me. But I will watch it anyway because I do like Pike and I do like Star Trek. So um, more it'll be Pike, more Pike. <laughs> so we'll see what they do with it, and uh, hopefully it'll be you know fun. Because I mean the one thing that I do want from this that you know the title seems to indicate that they will do is I want exploration. Because, you know, as much as Discovery and Picard are great, they're not about exploration, right? They're about, you know, like, hey, there's this stuff going on, internal politics amongst, like, the communities we already know about or, you know, stuff like that. So uh, I think Discovery Season 3 is going to finally give us some exploration, you know, <laughs> with uh, with time, if not in space. But, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be, um, you know, I, I want to get back to that aspect. So that's got me kind of excited. Um, but anyway, all right. So yeah, that's, uh, that's our five minute controversy for this week and um, kind of interesting one um, because uh, I'm in the minority, but that's okay. I think that's <laughs> actually the only one that I've not had a strong opinion about. Okay. Well, Likewise. it happens. Actually, no, there was one where I just didn't even know the topic once. So I was right. just like, I don't know. And then I thought I was being clever and I realized after the fact that I confused something else and so my joke fell really flat. Oh god, that was the one where you were talking about like Demolition Man when that isn't even what we were talking about. And right. I, can't remember, I, can't I can't remember what we were actually talking about because you were talking about like the, the fast food wars and stuff. Yeah, I was. I, I confused Demolition Man with another movie and I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> Yeah, I oh, thought you were going to say you were shocked because our five-minute controversy didn't turn into half of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, James, it's only funny because it's true. All right, anyway, so, <laughs> all right, now before we talk about Picard, we're going to pause for a moment for a promo from another fine podcast. It was the dawn of another podcast. The Epsilon 3 is a dream given form. It's a home away from home for three guys to watch a 90s sci-fi classic TV show. 
three guys with microphones over 3,249 miles apart, all alone in the night. The year is 2021. The name of the station is Babylon 5. The name of the podcast is the Epsilon 3. Veer, bring me a drink. And we're back. And like we talked about at the top of the show, we're going to talk about Star Trek Picard. And this was a, kind of an interesting offering from CBS because after they had Discovery, which a lot of people disliked because, well, for a variety of reasons. But one of the reasons was a lot of people felt like the, you know, it was like, okay, you're going back in time, sort of a pre-original series, but then everything looks like way too futuristic and the continuity feels kind of awkward to going to, this is something that really is a true sequel to something we'd seen before. This is, you know, Picard, the same guy we saw in Star Trek The Next Generation, you know, fast forward 25 years later, we're going to bring in the whole idea of Romulus being destroyed that came from the J.J. Abrams movies. And we're going to incorporate that in and show like how that affected like the, 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 uh, the, the universe of Star Trek, you know, moving forward with that. And so uh, it was definitely more of, whereas Discovery felt like this was like a fresh start that, you know, for people who weren't familiar with Star Trek, they could get on board with Discovery, you know, and and there wasn't really a whole lot, you know, to attach, you know, to, that you needed to know before that. Picard felt very much like a, this is for the hardcore fan, you know, get into this, you know, because you're following Picard and we're going to have all these cameos and all that. So I'm just kind of curious about everybody's sort of just initial take on Picard because of that. Like, did you... Well, I know with Stephanie, like how she feels about Discovery, but I don't know, I think, how either of you two feel, Juliet and James. Like, did you feel like this is more of like what you wanted? Do you feel like it's just a different flavor um, from Discovery? Or do you just, uh, or did you feel like, oh man, like Picard, like I wanted to like it and I didn't really like it all that much? So um, let's start with uh, you this time, Juliet. So I didn't watch Discovery. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. Because I, you know, my, my, my best friends, he watched, he immediately started watching it and he gave me a heads up on the, on the, the episodes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Mm-mm, nope, I don't like what you're doing in my timeline. I don't like it. <laughs> I need you to go away right now. I'm sorry. We have whose relative that I've never heard of before. Let's just retcon everything that I know about my Star Trek past. Mm-mm, couldn't touch it. Okay. Spock randomly gained a brother in a movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just, it just bothered me a lot. Do and you know all of your coworkers' siblings? Actually, yeah, I do. Oh, okay. It's very strange. It's a very small company. <laughs> okay, well, in a not small company. In a not small company, it'd be fine. But I don't know. I just I couldn't I couldn't handle that part of it. And it, they uh, they changed what was it? They changed the, the explosions of the Klingon moon, didn't they? Practice. 
did they change? There was change something big that bothered me. Dietrich told me about it. And that was what turned me off entirely. So I couldn't do it. And I had reservations about Picard, but at the same time, I liked to think that Patrick Stewart would never ever lead me astray and would not have done anything that he felt was not true to Star Trek. So I dove into Picard. Couldn't do it with Discovery though. No. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't go too far into like the oh Patrick Stewart wouldn't steer me wrong. Like he's an actor, he'll take the money. I mean, it's like not, you know, something where, you know. Like I have to... faith in the man who looked and deep into my eyes with those liquid brown ones as I stood next to him dressed as the Dark Phoenix and he said, Hello. <laughs> oh no. I trust him. Okay. All right, fair enough. All right, James. How about you? Um I mean, I, so I think they're both different flavors um, mm -hmm. and that's what I enjoyed about both of them. So, I mean, Discovery, I was, see, I, I was really stoked for it. And, and I, I get where some people were like upset because they were like, well, this is supposed to be like pre uh, original series. So why does all the technology look crazy? Which I went, well, I mean, if you watch the JJ Abrams movies, those all the technology looks crazy like different so i was like I, so n that was never something foremost in my mind as a problem um just because it was like well it, you know when they filmed the original series they didn't have prop tech like like the proper set design like stuff that we have now so of course like they would you know make things look a little different um so i enjoyed discovery for what it was it definitely had its problems but i think it's unique in what its own take is i think the fact that it's supposed to be like kind of alternate universe like timeline discussion stuff um is an interesting uh like wavelength to go on for star trek i know it's not everybody's cup of tea um but i i love stories like that it's it's kind of like why i like alternative history shows where it's just like mm. what if the nazis had won and it's just like that's interesting for a few reasons and also terrible for a number of <laughs> other reasons but i'll watch it just to see what your take on it is um so i and, and i thought picard like i was just I grew up with the next generation. Like that mm. was my generation of Star Trek. And so I remembered watching it with my mom. And so I was just like, well, I, I love Patrick Stewart. And, and it's all Patrick Stewart being Captain Picard. I, I can't not watch it. Um, as, I, as I told a friend, I was like, worst case scenario, it's horrible. And I'll still stomach my way through it because that's the kind of glutton for punishment person i am for any tv show if i start it i have to at least finish the season i'm in mm -hmm. <laughs> to see if it ever gets better and i i was you know i i thought i thought it definitely paid some homage to what i know of the character and, and some other things so i i think they just stand separate from each other and honestly i just i enjoyed both for what they were it's not just a season, though, James, because you're still watching all the CW shows despite what they keep putting on. Oh, <laughs> I know. Don't get me started. I'm not. I'm not. But I just it's like, <laughs> that's the kind of completionist you are. You're like, I don't care if this show goes eight seasons, nine seasons. I'm going to keep watching it just to see if it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Stephanie, I, I know you like Discovery. And so how do you feel about Picard and, uh, you know, sort of the direction that they're going with it? Um, well, I ended up buying the Picard book and comic books. Uh, <laughs> granted, I haven't read them yet. But... Even oh, though you sent me a amazing. screenshot of, of the pages from some yeah. of the pages. 
I've, I've been busy. I've, I got hit with the writer bug myself, plus I'm trying to move. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so clearly I was excited for it and enjoyed it enough to invest in extended universe lore for it, which I've not done in the past for Star Trek. Um, but... Uh, I don't remember what the actual question was. <laughs> so, so yeah, like, so how do you feel about Picard? Did you feel like, yes, this is the way they should be going? Do you feel like it's just a different flavor? Then, you know, or did you feel like, you know, you didn't, you know, really care for it? Obviously, it wasn't that one, but. Uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. There were elements that I was a little miffed with, but uh, there were also elements that I was very happy with. Um, I loved that they a thing that I know a lot of people complained about, I absolutely loved, and the fact that they made the Federation a little bit less idyllic and more, uh, more, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? They're not really corrupt. Dystopian. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I mean, corrupt, I think, is the right word, though, because, like, they're they're making decisions based on, you know, what's great for them and not worrying about others, and, you know, that, we've got spies infiltrating, like, the highest ranks, and, you know, there's yeah. all sorts of problems going on at Starfleet. Um, and I feel like, I think we briefly talked about this in the Next Generation episode, but I feel like that's something that they've often hinted at throughout uh, Next Generation, we saw a lot more of it in Deep Space Nine where there are issues with the Federation because that's where we were first introduced to uh, section, section, holy crap, I'm forgetting the number. 31. 31! <laughs> I can't believe I forgot that number. Um, but I mean, they've always hinted at the fact that Star Trek, uh, rather Starfleet and the Federation isn't as utopian as we like to see it as um we just always happen to follow a crew that more or less encompasses the best of the best as opposed to the realistic behind the scenes and i don't even mean realistic compared to our world i mean what's really going on in the background outside of these uh pristine ships that we follow um, we finally got a little bit more insight to the behind the scenes of what's going on and what made Picard himself just kind of rage quit and a lot of other people suffer because of it. Mm -hmm. Well, not really his rage quitting, but you get where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I get where you're going with it. Yeah, because I mean... <sighs> The people who complain about, you know, showcasing the Federation and not necessarily the best light, I think are the same people that only watch the original series of Next Generation. Because you're right, like in Deep Space Nine, we already saw that. And in fact, in Voyager, you know, we saw, you know, obviously it wasn't part of the Federation, like it wasn't technically, you know, in the Federation space or anything, but we saw the people on Voyager do some things that are, you know, morally suspect, questionable, whatever, because of the fact of where they were and the circumstances that they were in. So, I mean, the idea of taking Star Trek and taking it away from Gene Roddenberry, you know, and, and frankly, it's only Gene Roddenberry's vision after he started doing next gen because even in the original series he didn't mind for there being conflict or you know the odd person in like high 
you know, ups in the Federation being like a bad person. The writers even talk about with the early days of Next Generation, how like Roddenberry had like completely gone way far over even from where he had been in the original series, as far as like what he was like about humanity and like how there was never any conflict within the Federation and always had to come from outside. So, I mean, that's always, I never have liked that people have sort of become like, like have, straight jacketed star trek by saying like it always has to be that way because it wasn't that way even in the original series there was conflict yeah. within the federation sometimes yeah. so, there are yeah. so many episodes spread across every iteration of star trek that shows that they aren't this perfect entity mm-hmm. um, and then and for, we get it's bad storytelling <laughs> it is um yeah. We get to Picard, and finally we're seeing that bad side a little bit more clearly sh- clearly in our face, mm. as opposed to the subtext that's driving our good guys forward. Um, and people complained. It's like, have you been paying attention to the series, uh, to the franchise at all? No. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, I find it interesting... Um, Juliet, that you didn't like Discovery or didn't even want to delve into Discovery. So it was only about continuity issues that bothered you about Discovery. It's not a darker tone or anything like that. No. You're fine with that with Star Trek. I grew up with Next Gen. It's always going to be my favorite, but do not get me wrong. I love where Deep Space Nine went with it. I love Mm -hmm. the darker tone. I wanted to have an entire series that followed like Nog and and other people dealing with PTSD and so on. long after everything and how did the federation rebuild if ever i love conflict in the darker tone and i adored that in picard i liked Mm -hmm. seeing the federation all messed up and i liked i felt picard's dissatisfaction with it why he would have left and everything else the disillusionment with the this thing that he thought so highly of and then found out it was so flawed and so almost xenophobic Mm -hmm. And I, I found so much relation with that and our current world that maybe that's one of the reasons I really dug into it. At certain points, I cried. Yeah. No, I mean, and so this is the thing that I think uh, they did really well in the show because beyond, I mean, I mean, believe me, I'm a fanboy going way back. So they mentioned Quark in one episode. I'm like, woohoo, Quark! <laughs> yeah and you know seven of nine shows up and we get Riker we get you know we get so many nods we get so many cameos it's so much fun I mean frankly to me like the big miss in this season was that they didn't have the doctor from Voyager because he's part of this whole discussion of artificial life and whatnot and I felt like that was like kind of a glaring omission not to have him in there that there are two sentient AIs in their own right. their well own yeah way. yeah because Voyager never references data when the doctor is talking about like legally like you know making himself like uh, accepted as a as an artificial life form and it's kind of like I mean it's like there's precedent already you know yeah. so I mean like it seems weird that that's not you know that that was never brought up as the whole case with data and Starfleet but anyway but all right that's a side point what I found really interesting was this idea of of uh, Starfleet like almost turning inwards of the sort of historical uh, analog of like the empire that's expanded to its like greatest. And I realize they're technically not an empire, but the idea of an empire that's sort of expanded to its greatest limits and is now starting to contract. 
which I think we're going to end up dealing with in Discovery Season 3 because they just hop forward a thousand years. But anyway, it's conjecture on my part. But, you know, the idea that the Federation is like, we don't care about anything outside, you know, we're going to build our wall. <laughs> I mean, they don't. <laughs> but, you know, but the idea, the mindset of the idea of it's just, you know, everybody outside is outside, everybody inside is inside, and that's all we care about. And then also this idea of the other being the problem. And if you're a federation that already has a whole bunch of alien life forms as part of you, it can't be aliens that become the other. It's the idea of they've done the thing that Maddox wanted to do in season two of Next Gen. They're mass producing androids they're creating a slave race and then the idea of what happens when the slave race turns on people and the sort of backlash with all that and all that was fast like that's something that star trek's never like even like gone anywhere near that kind of storytelling and that was the thing that blew me away is the the xenophobia and applying that to the Federation, not to an outside alien race they meet, because they've done that bunches of times, but to treat the Federation xenophobia and to go into that. And that was just amazing. And and also being like a big Asimov fan and all his robot stuff and everything that I, you know, used to read when I was a kid, like all they're dealing with like the the idea of artificial life forms and what they would want and how, you know, living beings would deal with them and all of that was like really good hard sci-fi that I just really appreciated. So, all right. So I've been long winded here, but yeah. So like the xenophobia aspect, what did you think about that, James? Yeah, I thought, well, so it's one of those things that what made it interesting for me is being like a student of history <laughs> mm -hmm. and knowing like in the continuity of Star Trek, like they recognize like consistently across different generations of Star Trek and everything like old human history and things like that. And it's just like, so, so wait, you guys is on your point of what you were saying, like we're creating like this android race and we kind of don't trust them because of events that happen. And it's like, yeah, but the events were kind of of our own making. Like we put ourselves in that situation because we didn't learn from our own history. So I mm -hmm. thought there was a lot of stuff that was really interesting in that concept of like history always repeats itself. Like that's a quote and a statement that comes up throughout history all the time. And so I thought the xenophobia around what they believed based on events that had happened and how all that transpired had just created such again it 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 put the federation in a light that didn't make the federation great uh mm -hmm. the romulans were also on that same side of like we really don't trust this and uh, i mean with with reason <laughs> like i mean mm. it made sense um but it, as you said it's just it's somewhere that like we see xenophobia happen in star trek for sure but we never i don't know that we ever have seen it portrayed quite like it was in picard like mm. in just a very direct light of what we kind of already see in our own world and so i think i think it painted a really great um what's the word i'm looking for um just just a good conversational text to to what is a future show <laughs> what is supposed to be our history in the future to what is happening now um and things like that and so i it, it was just 
it it captivated me like i like a show any show that will delve into things that a lot of other shows will go we we don't want to get there because it puts us in this weird territory and we don't want to have like political context for the real world in Mm -hmm. our show and i think they just did it in a really great way i don't think they did it in a way that was really alienating in any way shape or form i thought it was just portrayed in a way that made sense well, you know, James, Star Trek only started becoming political when they put it on CBS All Access. <laughs> <laughs> only. Only then. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know what brought it home to me, though? It was early on uh, when he's giving that he's giving the interview to that reporter. Yeah. And that reporter keeps repeating the phrase. And at one point she says Romulan lives and Picard just basically screams at her lives. Mm. It doesn't matter that they're Romulan but it made me think about how the Federation has never really accepted Klingons and look how long ago we tried, we made peace with them, but we've never really accepted them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least not, not into Starfleet. Yeah. I like the fact that Picard had taken like what people he could and had them working in his, uh, on his, you know, uh, what do you call that? A chateau or whatever, you know, the, his vineyard, the, his vineyard. Yeah. Oh, they <laughs> were know, my two favorites. Were... I love them. <laughs> you know that he had taken in like i think that there were more like romulans working in the vineyard and stuff too i think those were just like the two that like worked in his house also but yeah like he he was trying to do what he could for them and everything and frankly after i've had sort of like mixed feelings about the jj abrams stuff and the kelvin verse um i felt like they dealt with that you know the whole idea of the destruction of romulus in the best possible way you know, and just being like, hey, we're on the old timeline, so let's just move that forward. And, and you know, I just found that whole idea fascinating of Picard being the one that was lobbying everyone to help the Romulans, and, and they just didn't. And, like, how that crushed him, I was just, it, that was just amazing. They did finally merge the time, well, they did finally merge the timelines, or at least reconcile the universes, and put out there that, you know, the events of the Kelvinverse did, because they originally happened in our timeline. You know the destruction of Romulus, and I actually went back uh, to look at the my stellar cartography maps because I have that giant mess of books, and checked out the Hobus uh, supernova and checked out the radius of it. But that's what they destroyed originally in the very beginning of the, of the J.J. Abrams series. Right. Yeah, because that the basically everything that's happening there is happening in a new timeline that was changed and whatever. But it's like kind of like an alternate reality so it doesn't affect what's happening in in picard no just the supernova is the only thing that happens between them that's the same thing it's caused by the effects it's caused by the events in the very beginning of the first abrams movie and then spock disappears through the time disappears through the portal but i do like the fact that that's you know all combined and i'm like cool we've just reconciled everything and i love it Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the proof that like the original timeline, so they're not overwriting the original timeline. They've just split off into a, a you know, parallel one. So. I mean, this is Star Trek. How many times have we seen parallel universes all colliding? Right. So, um, yeah. So um, one thing that I just absolutely have to talk about with Picard is the sort of trauma that I experienced from Star Trek Nemesis uh, with the death of Data. And 
the you know i mean like that was it, it's it's a thing you know like nemesis itself you know was not like the greatest movie and you know having data die in that movie was kind of awful especially when they had b4 sitting around afterwards is kind of a nyuk, 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 we can always bring him back this way and i'm so glad they didn't go that way um but you know i always had mixed feelings about it because of the idea of you know, and, and it's it's one of those things that, you know, is in lots of robot stories and science fiction is the idea that as long as you are an artificial life form that can potentially live forever, you're not truly human. And that to become truly human, you would have to die. And so Data's act of sacrificing himself to save Picard is, you know, the act that also, you know, theoretically would make him human. And so dealing with that and dealing with it on Picard's side, and how he feels about that, about how Data died to save him, was not only an interesting take on it, but also throughout the whole events of the series and then finding out that actually Data isn't completely dead and that there is an aspect of Data still out there and all of that was part of, you know, like it was a journey that also let me sort of feel cathartic about the whole experience from Nemesis, which is something I've been carrying with me for like 17 years of like, of rage. (laughs) How many times have you and I probably scared poor Beth away because we would just start (laughs) raging about that movie and that movie being the one that kills Data? (laughs) So, so uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm just curious about everybody else's feelings about that because, yeah, I mean, to me, it was so interesting that this, you know, because when you're saying, okay, we're going to do a series about Picard, you know, okay, obviously talk about the, the Eromatic Syndrome because we knew from the, when he jumped into the future in Next Generation that that was something he had and, of course, deal with the fact that his, his brother is dead and so he would be living on the vineyard now and doing that. Okay, that makes sense. But then to take Data's death and make it like sort of almost the central focus of the series, you know, what did you think about that and, and where they went with it? So, Juliet, why don't you start us off on that one? Okay, so I'm probably, I didn't hate Nemesis. I mean, I was, yeah. I cried, I sobbed. <laughs> but well, I don't think it was all that great, but no, I don't hate it either. I have a special love for having seen a young Tom Hardy be my Picard, and I could see that, and I'll never <laughs> not love that. Okay. But um, I really, it touched me, like being able to go back to data to find out that Picard years decades later is still dealing and never able to really forgive himself because he feels he's to blame he's Mm -hmm. never able to really in his own mind let data go to rest and we you know we find out that there that might not be entirely in his own head Mm -hmm. but it was important to me to have data back for that and i don't know why i didn't know it was that important to me until i saw it yeah it it like really surprised me because like yeah like we saw like when they did the trailers you saw that one thing that was obviously a dream where you just see data's face for a second and it's kind of like okay this is interesting so it was a way of them getting brent spiner in but i thought beyond it being like a cameo like that's all it was going to be oh they got brent spiner in they did like a dream sequence whatever i didn't think that was like no this is what the series is about (laughs) you know like this this is going to be the focus and so yeah i just i just found that fascinating it did it healed my heart a little bit yeah uh what about you james so 
what's really funny is not that long ago, probably only within the last like three or four months, um, I rewatched all of the Star Trek movies because mm. I was like, you know what? It's been a minute. It's been a while. Let's let's refresh. Let's restock. Um, and so I got to Nemesis. And the thing is, I, I watched Nemesis when I was still fairly young. I think I was in my teens and I was just like, okay, uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> and I came back to it in my now 35-year-old self. And I went, why? Why? For so many things. Um, and as I told my wife, because she hasn't ever seen Nemesis. And so she saw Tom Hardy and she goes, is that Tom Hardy? And I went, yeah, she was born of the darkness. <laughs> she was just like, oh, my God. I go, yeah. I go, quite literally, this character is basically like a young Bane because that's his whole existential crisis. It's like what sucks is like he is a clone that grew up here and like he worked in the mines and the darkness of these caves and it's horrible. And he's trying to make a better world for his people kind of thing. And she was just like wow i went yeah yeah uh and then who who would have thought he would have gotten just jacked up later in life <laughs> spoke through a weird like microphone thing um but it's yeah the thing is like that was the most upsetting part of the movie for me is is the data thing because it was just like after you go through all these adventures through the tv series the movies and you see uh this this character who's always there and that's the thing it's like yes there was that inspiration of hope where it was just like the weird prototype version um that was his one of his other brothers kind of thing might have a semblance of data in him and then they just like drop that off like it's never mm -hmm. explored ever again and that's one of the things i was curious as to if they were going to discuss in Picard was like the other version of data that didn't really be. And so it was just this nice, pleasant surprise where uh, like you, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting the story of Picard to really be the story of data. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I loved it. It was just this nice swan song to really give the character that proper um, attention um, to properly talk about him. And then as we see like a proper send off, which was just, it was, it was beautiful. It was well told. Uh, I had, I had tears, but it was just, it was so poignant and perfect for this relationship that Picard had with data. Um, and the fact that it really showed that like a machine had depth like it wasn't just a machine data was never to us as the audience a machine like data was always another member of the crew he was the mm -hmm. best friend one of the best friends of a captain and one of the best friends to so many others and just the way that like they got rid of him in nemesis just made me so angry <laughs> so so i i loved i loved the 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 justice we get so to speak for correcting kind of the wrongs of the past um to to give a character um something that it really deserved yeah i mean one of the things that i thought was so great about it is that it allowed data to they, they still kept the idea that data is going to end his existence because that's the thing that finally lets him become truly human but they let it be on his terms right you know rather than this just this thing that happened because of you know bad writing and so 
So, you know, I like that. I like that, that they let, they let Data go out on his own terms and that this is something that he wanted. And, you know, so that I felt, you know, a lot better about that situation with leaving the character behind. And, you know, frankly, I mean, you can tell watching Brent Spiner that, you know, some years have passed, right? So, I mean, it's like, I kind of get like, even he was like, I, I, you know, I did this just to like write the character out in a different way, but like, I'm not going to like put on this makeup and do like more, you know, scenes in the next season and stuff like that. So, um, you know, so yeah, I was, I was glad for the send off there. Um, I don't know, Stephanie, do you have any, I mean, cause we, we were already talking about it. Do you have anything else to add about it? I mean, it just finally granted an actual closure to his death. Uh, I had actually just rewatched all of the Star Trek movies as well uh, mm-hmm. in preparation for Picard. Um, I started a Star Trek rewatch of everything years ago, and I hoped to finish it for Discovery, and I didn't. But I managed to finish it with watching, um, uh, not Into Darkness, Star Trek Beyond, mm-hmm. the day that Picard actually premiered so i finished it before picard uh but anyways so only a couple of days earlier i had watched nemesis and i was just oh that fury was fresh in my mind when i started picard because um, i remember seeing that in theaters as a kid um teenager kid i don't remember what year it came out um but uh, I data was always one of my favorite characters and I was just so let down with his death mm-hmm. because it seemed it seemed unnecessary in the setup particularly with having before conveniently downloading all his memories mm-hmm. um, and the fact that the overall movie wasn't that great and they had that cheap cop out there it, it just it stuck with me for almost two decades so I was really really happy to have that closure finally um and i gotta say having this conversation about data right now and how he was striving to be human and all that type of stuff and the fact that he was always one of my favorite characters while at the same time watching battlestar galactica (laughs) (laughs) um, it's really kind of making me realize why uh the cylons work in that series (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah. Um, so how do you feel like, so, so we kind of danced around the, 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 the sort of like end point of the series. Do you feel like it matters at all that they've made Picard into an Android now? I mean, that was probably my least favorite aspect of the series, okay. to be honest. Um, I think it would have been almost better for him to, almost go Borg-ish again um, where he was half half robot half human mm-hmm. um, having him be a carbon copy robot just I, I don't know it, it was awkward and kind of a cop out to get around his heart condition I feel there are much better ways they could have dealt with that especially in a futuristic sci-fi realm um and I've heard rumors that Patrick Stewart himself wasn't entirely pleased with that development either. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I'm glad they didn't kill him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I um, mean, I, I am kind of disappointed that they announced that there was going to be a season two. Like, 
like so early because I would have liked to have wondered as I was watching the series, is this just like a long goodbye? You know, like, is yeah. this literally going to be like Picard saves the day, but then he dies, you know, kind of show. And then season two is all about badass seven of nine. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did wonder. I thought maybe up until the end that maybe the second season would deal with his legacy. Mm. Yeah, I kind of, I mean, what, you know, after they had already announced that like Whoopi's going to be on there and they're, and they're showing pictures with her and Patrick Stewart together and everything, I'm like, yeah, so I know he doesn't die. <laughs> so I don't know. I just felt like that, you know, it was kind of, they, they should have held back on doing any announcements on that there was going to be another season or anything until after the first season had been out for a bit and then just like, I was, you know, so that way you're kind of not knowing like behind the scenes that, oh yeah, they're gonna, they're gonna save him. You know, it's, you know, so that, that part didn't like shock me as much as it should have, because when you're watching that last episode, it looks like they might be going that way that, you know, Picard might do it. He might save them all, but then he's going to die. And then that would have been an interesting way to go, but I'm glad that they didn't. <laughs> I'm not even sure though. If, I don't know if he's truly an Android or just if he's something other now it always bring, it brings me back to measure of a man to where he was proving data's existence as a person i mean now picard is is he thinks he has his memories does that is he artificial is he is he him and i love i like the idea of like does he have a soul does he care i want i want him to explore these questions now that he picard is. is now a cylon yeah. there we go see you know what happens Battlestar. <laughs> uh, he's a he's a toaster. So say we all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think they're pretty clearly going down on the idea of somehow they've placed his essence into the android shell, which, of course, is funny because Star Trek's always had this sort of, like, two-faced attitude about that where it's, like, half the time it's like, oh, yeah, you know, an android can be a living, breathing, thinking thing and be no different than a, than a human, just a different kind of life form. Or the, oh, well, you're artificial, so you can't really feel, you know, kind of thing. So they've had both kinds of stories in Star Trek, so... Um, um, but uh, but yeah, I think they're pretty clearly going with the he is everything Picard was in just a different body. Um, but with such a heavy uh, heavy presence of the Borg in this too, they could have. I feel like having some Borg implementation would have been a little bit more satisfying than he's just an android now. Yeah, well, maybe, but I don't think he would have he would have survived. He would have done something had he had any sort of Borg borg anything about his new body thing yeah his well, trauma it, it could have been an interesting add-on with the existing trauma but also having seven there now I, I i think that could have been an interesting path to take but who knows what they're going to do in the next season i just really hope seven is still around yeah. <laughs> um yeah and no sign of chakotay <laughs> yeah no sign of chakotay um <laughs> That, that two seconds with her and Rafi has way more chemistry than she ever had with Chakotay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess maybe my letdown with this season overall was that they played so heavily on the Borg and then they were just kind of a puppet on the side. And I've always loved the Borg. So I think I was more excited for there to be such a heavy Borg influence on this series uh than i was about it also heavily involving data even though i am so thrilled we got a proper death for data 
I was more excited about the Borg being in it. Was I the only person that cheered aloud whenever Hugh came on the screen for the first time? Oh, no, no that I was great. Like no, no, and, and that was the thing. I mean, I felt... <sighs> I felt kind of cheated like Stephanie did because I thought this was going to have some real meaning, you know, and it was kind of interesting because we're dealing with androids and artificial life and now we're dealing with the Borg who are the fusion of, you know, standard carbon-based life and artificial life. And so you kind of have like these different layers and I was curious about where that was going to go. But other than... It, it, I mean, the only reason the Borg were there is so they could get the information from those people who had been assimilated or whatever. Like, the fact that the Borg were there themselves didn't have a whole lot to do with the story. And then Hugh just gets killed off casually, and it was just kind of like, oh, so this really isn't... Because I like the whole idea of, like, Hugh's now this crusader of unassimilating Borg and stuff. And I was like, this is really cool! Like, I would like to see that play out for a while, you know. But... Oh, I would have loved that, too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah I mean, granted, was... his death drove us to have having Queen Seven, uh, <laughs> which Tim and I go into if that was a letdown or not, because he would have liked to have seen her be the queen longer and do more stuff. And right, and, I, th- and that would have actually given it meaning too. And then it was just like, no, nah, I just did this for a few minutes. It's good. But at the same time, I think it's well within her personality that she took the power, but knew she had to give it up right away. Mm. Um, but as I'm talking about this right now, I'm starting to think that maybe she should have stayed a little bit longer just because it would have driven the Borg plot a little bit further. Um, but it might have also sacrificed the character. And I think they stayed super true to her character just as much as they did with Picard's. Yeah, but you don't know how what that's like to like link your mind with other minds and whatever. What happens to her character when that happens? And yeah, she's in. so so like I was saying, it wouldn't have been necessarily like oh you don't understand. It could have just been like this was the reason she didn't want to do it was she yeah. knew that this would happen and and she wouldn't be able to unlink herself. So you know, right? And yeah. it felt it felt very in line with all of the pre Chicote Seven stuff that we had. <laughs> God, I almost can't wait till we do Voyager and just. <laughs> I Voyager. think you have. I think you have some uh, some demons you need to exercise as uh, from uh, with Voyager. There, <laughs> you need a catharsis of your own. Maybe they'll do a flashback. Maybe they'll get Rob- Robert Beltran. I think that's his name. Maybe they'll get Robert Beltran back just for a flashback, and we show how like Seven just like you know, you know, just like is like, oh no, I never really cared for you. It was just me trying to like go through the motions to like experience dating or whatever. <laughs> I was confused. It was just a phase. <laughs> yeah, a phase. <laughs> I didn't have a real teenager period, so you know, you were my experiment. Oh god. <laughs> oh man. Yes, when writers have no idea what to do with characters, a Chakotay story. But anyway, um, yeah, so uh, we're talking about Borg, right? <laughs> uh, so, um, Juliet, how do you like how the Borg, or you talked about Hugh and you're excited to see Hugh. Like, what do you think about how they use the Borg? I would have liked to have seen more because they were one of my most terrifying favorite things to watch. Yeah. But um, I liked... I liked seeing the them being disassimilated, unassimilated. Yeah. I just thought that was the neatest thing to me. The fact that they could do that, but it was so difficult, which makes sense. I mean, a lot of them have 
been assimilated for who knows how long and trying to put everything back together and break their minds out of the collective thought. We saw what the Borg were like when that happened just for like a couple of months and they all went insane pretty, pretty much. Hmm. It wasn't happy and many of them just wanted to go back. And that was just breaking the collective thought consciousness. That wasn't even unassimilating them. I, I felt weird that it was the Romulans that worried me because all I could see was, you know, Romulans heading up the project and I'm going, oh yeah, this is not going to be good. Do not let them get their hands on board technology. I did love seeing Queen Seven of Nine because wow, wow. I never cared for her character because of the way she was written in Voyager. I, and I, I get it. It was just the way that her character was written. But watching her in this uh, and then just going all queen for all of a minute... <laughs> I did want to see more of that, but I, I do feel like it was a good thing she backed out of it quickly. The crazy thing is, is that you're right, that Seven was written terribly in Voyager. However, the way they wrote her in Picard is exactly how she was in my head. I have always <laughs> loved Seven, and I just portrayed her in my own personal canon as a much more take charge authoritative character than what they actually gave her in the show um so yeah, I, 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 I wish my, my head canon was apparently on the same wavelength as the people who decided <laughs> to write her for uh picard <laughs> yeah, see the thing is like i've only seen voyager one time and my strongest memories are her going into Tom Paris's like black and white fantasy and ripping the wires out of a robot and then her dating Chakotay. So, you know, it's not really the best showing <laughs> for her that those are my two strongest memories. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the thing where she's in the holodeck and she rips the wires out of the robot and she's just like, I am Borg. And I'm like, that's amazing. But... <laughs> You know, I don't I don't remember all that much from her character, and that says a lot right there. Whereas even something someone like I I, I can't stand like Neelix, I can remember all sorts of stuff about Neelix. I, I just loathe that character. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But no, she was awesome in Picard. Um, James, what do you think about the Borg and how they were used in Picard? I now realize the uh, level of Star Trek nerds that I'm doing this podcast with <laughs> in comparison to myself. <laughs> and I'm going to out myself right now. Um, I never saw Voyager. Not a single solitary episode that I can remember. Um, so I had zero base, like, diagram <laughs> for who Seven of Nine is, other than knowing who the character was. Like, I did a little bit of homework before Picard, and I was like, I know nothing about this character. I'm going to hit the Wikipedia. <laughs> um, and so, like, and it didn't really give me much. I was like, okay, okay, yeah. Was Borg uh, from a childhood age? Okay, that's that's messed up. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's see where this goes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my entry level to Seven of Nine is Picard. Uh, like, that is my base level. And now I'm kind of terrified to ever go back and watch Voyager after you guys are like, she's just written so poorly. <laughs> so I can she, be like, oh, she is. Oh. <laughs> she's unfortunately written kind of as the naive eye candy. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense with, you know, they put her in a cat suit and it was like, by, look at that. Um, by wonderful, like, uh, um, um, by wonderful feminist Jerry Taylor. <laughs> but there 
are moments. There are moments in Voyager where the seven that we see in Picard does shine through, but they are few and far between. And me, as a a teenager when Voyager came out, grasped on to those few moments because I just loved the Borg so much. And then seven came along. And I was just like, yes! <laughs> well, I just find it weird that Jerry Taylor was so against Deanna Troy that, oh, like, you know, we got to get her out of the bunny suit and have her look more, like, business-like and stop having her just be the eye candy. But then it's like, but then you created Seven of Nine. Like, like as, as just the eye candy. Like, you know, like, I mean, you gave her more than that. But you also, like, were the one that was like, yeah, we'll put her in this outfit and we'll do this. And I'm just like, why? Why? Yeah, I guess. Deanna was technically a doctor and an actual Starfleet member. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and so, so I, I loved seven of nine and it, the, the thing is like, I wanted, I wanted more of her. Um, Cause I like the moment she was there, she's intense. She's nonsensical, like not nonsensical, but like non nonsensical. Yeah. She's, no nonsense. Yeah, there we That's go. Um, sorry, I'm I'm three fingers into this whiskey here. So, I figured that was the issue. <laughs> so it's like words. Um, but yeah, I I enjoyed what I saw because like that that's the kind of character I generally enjoy because mm. I'm one of those kinds of people in real life where I'm like I don't I don't need you to candy coat it for me. Like let's just cut through the BS and and get straight to it. Mm. Um, and so I always connect well with those kinds of uh, characters in a show. Um, I did I did. <sighs> I agree that I don't like what they did with the Borg. I, I like seeing the Borg just because they were such a huge part of Picard's history. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the way that they did represent that with Picard where like, he's got some PTSD issues, like severe PTSD issues, um, which makes sense for his character and everything. And so I like that they touch on that and that he was so affected and is still so affected that even just being there, it was just like, it, it was such a difficult thing for him to like maneuver through. Um, and, and I liked how they explored that. I think the Borg themselves were just as everybody else has said, like they're kind of a placeholder for a plot for, for a plot drive. That's all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like, Oh yeah, no, they're here because of their technology and the Romulans trying to use that technology for whatever nefarious Romulan needs that they have, because, status quo of Romulans. Um, so it was, I, I don't know. I, I felt like it was definitely kind of a wasted effort um, in what they decided to do with the story. I didn't like the fact, again, not really knowing much of, like I was trying to remember and I had to go back and read some stuff about Hugh because it's just been such a long time. And I was really disappointed with just that character's end. It just, it felt very empty for me. Um, as well, where I was just like, why didn't we do more? Um, it kind of kind of harkens back to you guys gave Data a crappy send off, and then you like tried to make up for it in this show, and then in this show you gave Hugh a really crappy send off. So are we going to get another show that makes up for that too? Um, which, <laughs> which I doubt, but but yeah, I I thought it was interesting to see her like connect to the Borg Hive as the Queen. Um, again, not knowing much about the background beyond just that little bit of like her history um i don't know what its relevance was to me like for like i i was just like oh okay we have control of borgship and borgship can do all kinds of cool things this is good 
And then mm. it was so short lived. And I was like, we no longer control Borg ship for now. Uh, okay. And now we just do what we normally do. I feel like we have a huge super weapon. Why aren't we using that? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was just like, okay. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't know. They were a weird placeholder in the world that I don't think got proper justice for what they were. I agree again, like it was interesting what they were doing, the the whole desimilating them and, um, and them having their own struggle of identity and like, where do they fit in the universe? Because uh, in the terms of xenophobia, like nobody, nobody trusts them. Nobody likes them. It doesn't matter if it's, the federation it doesn't matter if it's the romulans it doesn't matter if it's some alien species nobody's discovered they're probably aware of who the borg are and just like nothing to care for in who they are as an identity after they're no longer what they were and they're definitely no longer who they once were um i thought that was a really interesting concept and then we just again we kind of throw it all away and it was like why for why <laughs> well we'll see where it goes you know interestingly with stephanie having just watched Battlestar galactica i was just reading somebody a few days ago trying to link it together and talk about how when they talk about those those other artificial life forms that are living out there that they're trying to contact that you know like this has happened before and it will happen again and they were like trying to say like they like combine the Battlestar and star trek universes and be like yeah so this is what the cylons become after <laughs> you know the end of Battlestar galactica as they become these things that are then helping out other artificial life forms when they happen and you know, stuff like that so yeah new head cannon <laughs> <laughs> so um all right, so now I want to talk about the thing, the one thing that kind of bothered me about this series, because it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. The idea that the Romulans have this almost religious aversion to AI, and they're, like, so obsessed with, like, just eradicating AI. Because, frankly, you know, having just watched Next Gen with my daughter, and there's plenty of interactions with the Romulans, they never look at data and go, like... <laughs> you know like artificial life form kill it you know right now and i just i don't know like that's the one thing where i was like man they should have made this a different race like any alien you want to invent that just has this sort of like religious like aversion to artificial life forms it would be fine you know but like, i took it more as that uh group above the tal shiar i'm spacing on their name yeah um, i'm spacing on their name too but i took it more as after the romulans were drastically reduced in number uh that particular faction managed to gain some power and start spreading their their prophecies and so this is a relatively new thing to be widespread among the romulans zat vash thank you yeah that's it or gesundheit one or the other <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i agree i thought it was just that group that was so freaky about the ai well they even talk about like how the romulans are the only like you know life forms that we're aware of that don't have ai and i'm like wait wait <laughs> i mean it's like they never because like obviously like it has to instill their culture somehow or like they'd be like hey wait a minute everybody else has this stuff 
that means they have to like hand crank all their stuff on their ships and stuff because there's no like computers around to like turn anything on i don't know i just like had real issues with like so do they like really literally have people like pedaling down in their engineering section that's to, like, not artificial energy? intelligence <laughs> all, all their computers no but computers the one don't... race that's still using a brace and bit is my laptop just because it's a laptop is it our artificial intelligence no it's definitely not there yet i mean again yeah, Battlestar I mean, Galactica. comparable technology to the federation who like their their computer on their ship is artificial intelligence in fact it could even create like a living being if you just say create a character that can defeat data <laughs> and it could create moriarty as a literal living being within the holodeck look the romulans are so insular and they're so turned in on themselves and a fr and they distrust everything else of course they're going to distrust creating anything that thinks heck i distrust creating anything else that thinks like that look at me i hate the idea of skynet no don't think don't, don't right think but i don't think things. that you're going to be able to form an organization as powerful as the u.s government with your anti-technology stance <laughs> but i mean honestly, I, I am not surprised by the fact that the romulans are very similar to that mm -hmm. it doesn't surprise me at all again i'm gonna look at the galactica it certainly is networked and doesn't want anything to do with sort of like any sort of advanced ai mm. that there's a good point to it and i think i feel like the romulans are the same way but i don't think they fear it i think that they just realize that you know it could be detrimental to their desire for secrecy and stuff they still have that vat vash up there at the top who's just basically suppressing all of it right as people come up with it so, I mean, we know from past experience, the Romulans are not opposed to sending the Tal Shiar off to off someone for a seemingly trivial thing. And now we've got this secret organization that has existed above the Tal Shiar. Well, I guess uh, that's my issue, because if they exist the above, agenda. if they've existed above the Tal Shiar, why didn't they assassinate Noonien Soong when he was first working on Data? Why didn't they assassinate Data? Why didn't it, I mean, because if they're controlling the spies and infiltrators, we have never seen any evidence of them trying to get rid of Data or destroy Data because of their, like, aversion to artificial life. Now, I thought the Tal Shiar despised them in particular. And they had this fantastic feud going. So I didn't view the Zatvash as being above the Tal Shiar. I viewed them as being sort of beside it and weird. And maybe they did try. We don't know. The Romulans just made, they may not have been so awesome at their assassinations back then. I mean, <laughs> Noonien Soong, he was great at hiding. And he did create a ton of actual artificial intelligence. So who knows what kind of protections he may have had that just the crystalline entity just blew through anyway. Mm. Yeah. Actually, now that you mentioned that, I didn't really place them as being above the Tal Shiar either, but rather an opposing conflicting force with them. Right. So I don't know where I was suddenly well, no, no, no. Like he said, like the, the one guy, Picard's friend, who's a Romulan, says something about how they're more powerful than... And, and you're right, I don't think he says they're above them, but he says they're like a more powerful organization than the Tal Shiar. Doesn't and I still like, think in it's a relatively recent development mm. that happened with the destruction of Romulus that this group managed to become like a fanatical uh, vocal group and just started spreading like wildfire. Hmm. That makes sense, yeah. I find it retconning. Now, if we like still it. had a fully populated <laughs> Romulan Empire, I think I might have more issues with them than I do with a very thinned out Romulus uh, hmm. people. Okay, fair enough. 
I still feel like if there's a civilization that like purposefully like gives up like technological advances that then they wouldn't have been such a great foe to the Federation who did not give up said advances. So I don't know. I don't know. It's it's like how like for years like uh, the the you know for hundreds of years the Chinese like basically considered themselves to be the pinnacle of civilization. So they cut off like all contact with outsiders, and then all the outsiders became more advanced, and they came in and you know came into China and like just started like taking over everything. It's kind of like that where it's like if the Romulans were literally like no no AI, there's like no way like because of all the AI the Federation uses, they'd be so much more advanced. So I don't know, I don't know, I just don't. It just seems very retconny, and I don't care for it. But anyway, <laughs> I'll ignore that and talk about all the stuff I did like. So <laughs> more against the more individualistic AI versus my Alexa, which is now going to talk to me. <laughs> Agreed. I think you're taking the phrase artificial intelligence and, and just applying it to anything electronic at this point <laughs> well no okay i was kind of exaggerating but i mean like even the enterprise's computer like is an ai right i mean it's i don't think like, it's the type, it's that's the type like, of ai that they view as ai i don't know if it's capable of producing a being that they recognize as being sentient in the case of moriarty then it must in fact also be that was a random one. <laughs> you can't that birth was... sentience from, I don't know. It and then who's to still say he's actually sentient? They can't prove it. <sighs> okay. Picard was convinced. And remember, if Picard thinks something, Julia, you have to agree with it because <laughs> you look, look into I, I, If I can talk to Picard and determine exactly where his line is of artificial intelligence that the Zatvash despise and artificial intelligence that is just actual computers, then we'll, we'll be okay. And I'm okay. pretty sure I'm going to agree with him on that line. Sure. Okay. I'll sit here and drink my moonshine. I still like the idea of just like <laughs> thousands of Romulans sitting in engineering on exercycles, powering the ship. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> just ro- it's like how when you look inside a Borg ship and there's just all those hallways of Borg, but just imagine them being exercycles as far as you can see down. I like do this. not have enough the hallways and just <laughs> some Romulan is literally telling the captain. I'm I'm giving it all I got, Captain. I, I don't have it. Oh, man, that'd be great. All right. So, <laughs> um, uh, so so okay, okay. So we had a lot of cameos. We had a lot of blasts from the past, both with main characters from previous series and even minor characters from previous series. So I'm going to ask two questions right on top of each other because I know we do have to wrap things up pretty soon. Um, Do you feel like we got a little bit too reference slash cameo happy or, and uh, yes or no on that, but then also um, who did you most appreciate seeing um, from previous stuff? So, um, aside from seven. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just take seven; it's fine. Uh, <clears throat> so, yeah, we'll start with you, Stephanie. Besides seven. Um. Well, I mean, I gotta say, could you imagine being the actor who plays Hugh, who took a little one-off <laughs> role like thirty years ago? And then it was fairly popular. So, okay, they gave him another episode. Mm-hmm. And then 
25 years later, <laughs> they're doing a, a spin-off of that original series, and they're like, hey, you want to come back again? <laughs> no, that is pretty amazing. I, I was very surprised by them having you back on the show. I it was mean, very I'm cool. not saying he's my favorite one aside from Seven, though. He's definitely up there, but I just mm. got to think how weird that had to be for that actor for just a little bit role to become something that was popular enough where they called him back for a completely different series decades later um no it's what i I really liked and i like the fact that they didn't recast that they weren't just like yeah "Yeah, we'll just pull some random guy like you're you now this is the character from star trek play him you know play him your way you know, Which they fortunately did for Icheb because that actor is a complete and total douchebag. Okay. Um, yeah, he he's if you don't know about him, don't look him up. He's a creeper. Uh, <laughs> okay. The only like bad Star Trek story I know is the actress who played Kess in Voyager. Oh yeah, Voyager apparently had a few bad ones because <laughs> Icheb is his actor is is just he's been linked to some he, i i don't know a whole heck of a lot because i just get such skeevy feelings from him that i sway away from it mm-hmm. um but he's said some supportive stuff about some very problematic pedophilia type people and stuff like that um so yeah i'm glad they recast each other even if he's just dying when we see him mm-hmm. <laughs> um but overall, I think the the episode where we get Deanna and Riker was probably one of my absolute favorites mm. of the entire uh, season. Uh, I thought they just gave a a great development to the characters. Um, it was nice finally seeing them without their weird on again, off again relationship, and <laughs> just genuinely settled down and aside from the death of a child happy mm-hmm. yeah and they do have uh you know it's not like they're they're childless because they do have their daughter yeah. and so you know that's and the fact yeah. that their daughter is named after her little sister that she didn't know about oh that just her older sister rather yeah oh that was just so so touching <laughs> mm. yeah yeah, you know, the funny thing is that, uh, you know, because my daughter and I were watching through Deep Space Nine now, and I I had forgotten that um, Loxana has another child in DS9 that we forget about, you know, because we never actually see the baby, we just see her pregnant. So, um, you know, I'm kind of curious about that. But oh, anyway. I totally forgot about that too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of weird because you know your aunt would be like younger than you are, but you know these kinds of things happen. <laughs> so yeah, but anyway, yes, no, it was nice to see uh, Riker and Troy. I really like that. Um, I do kind of think it's funny that like Picard like put like all his like like is his personality and everything into like lobbying Starfleet and they were just like no to him on multiple occasions and Riker can just be like hey Starfleet I need a fleet and they're just like hey for you Riker anything buddy well I mean Riker didn't flip him the bird and say peace out (laughs) I know I'm talking about even before he peaced out Picard was trying to get Starfleet to do stuff for him and they're like yeah "Eh." you know Riker just says like hey I need a fleet right now and they're like yeah, all right <laughs> I just thought that was funny 
But Daddy Riker gets stuff done. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, James, who did you appreciate seeing? Oh, man. Um, so many people. Uh, it was just because, again, this, this show is such an homage, like just mm-hmm. such a, a lovely love letter to like next generation fans. Um, of course, I enjoyed seeing, um, you know, Picard, obviously. No, I hated him. Why was he there? No. Um, so <laughs> it was one of those that I I liked seeing Brent Spiner come back as Data. Um, I liked seeing Deanna. Um, even though I wasn't like a huge Deanna fan, like mm. through movies, through shows, like I was never a big fan of the character, but still it was just one of those where it's like, even though I'm not a fan of this character, like she's just part of that family. Um, mm. And so I, I really liked seeing her. I really enjoyed um as said like that story about them and their child and that's the funny thing is i was just like oh the son i was just like god when did that happen was that in the movies was that in the show i don't remember them having a son so the funny thing is before i even got through the episode i thought i had missed something somewhere in like next generation history and i ended up looking it up (laughs) so i like went on the internet and i was like oh like what's it and i was like oh that's who it is okay cool cool and then like i continued the episode and i was like oh if i was just patient i would understand things (laughs) so uh but it but it was it was great and that was such a beautiful story about these characters who had kind of gone their own way with Riker and Deanna and their family and things like that. Um, So yeah, uh, those, those were probably the characters I loved seeing the most. Um, I was always, I was always a fan of number one. Um, And I, I really enjoyed that story um, with the character. Um, Of course uh, the character, I think touched my heart uh, out of probably probably on a large scale beyond any other characters and it's not a character that was came back from any show it was the dog number one and i was like oh it's a pity i love the pit bull so much and just like i loved it just because of the fact that um uh he like he himself in Mm. reality like has a pit bull and it was like such a big supporter of those dogs and i was just like Oh, he, he's so yeah. He he. Yeah, that's that's like his thing now. Is like he's very big on trying to like reform society's like thoughts about pit bulls and about mm-hmm. them being like these horrible violent animals and stuff. Oh, yeah. So oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Those were all the things I just loved. Yeah. For oh, that was nice. Yeah. No, I I, I like that. I like that number one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good reference. Um. Juliet. So, do you think that they got a little too, um, you know, cameo or reference happy in this? And uh, what, what, what did you like as far as like a callback? They could have cameoed every single person that I ever knew, and I would have been okay with it. I don't care. You know, the one, the one thing I was kind of a little upset about was that Hugh didn't ask uh, Picard about Jordy because you know that was always his thing. Is like Jordy was like his is like his favorite I like, person. I like to think that maybe Hugh and Jordy have actually kept in touch. Yeah, no, that yeah, could well be. Yeah. But uh, my favorite one, you just said it, is Hugh. Mm. I for some reason latched onto him. I love the fact that he is the person who taught Picard about Borg humanity that's still there it's just not so easy to find anymore and I I, I remember I was staring at the screen and I had to hold my hand up to the screen to cover up half his face to like look at him I'd be like no 
I knew that was his voice. And then I read an interview uh, with Jonathan Del Arco, who he said that apparently the hug between him and Picard was unscripted. He actually asked Patrick Stewart if he could do it because as he was doing the scene, he was trying, he was channeling emotion. He's like, if I could see my father again, mm. how would I react? And that's the emotion he put into that scene where Hugh sees Picard again for the first time. Oh, that's nice. And it was so sweet. Like I'm reading the interview and I'm crying again because I cried when I first saw that scene. Mm-hmm. I just, I thought that of all the characters to bring back, to bring back someone that we saw in all of three episodes, you know, Iborg and then Descent's part one and two. That's it. Mm. Who's going to even remember him? Who's going to recognize the actor? But it turns out so many people did. And it makes me so happy. Yeah. No, that's 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 another good one. Um, I uh, Since you guys have talked about a lot of them, I'm going to just talk about one that really surprised me also, and that's Bruce Maddox. Because he's only in one episode of the series. And despite the fact that I saw Next Gen in syndication, like all through my teenage, you know, it was, it was constantly on reruns on weekday afternoons, you know. So I saw many of the episodes multiple, multiple times. I never really had a memory of the fact that Data kept up with his character um, throughout the show. Like they'll mention the fact that like Data's been, con- you know, talking with Bruce Maddox and anytime Data's dealing with anything about like either like upgrading himself or when he wanted to create his daughter or any of the other stuff, they always reference that like, yeah, Data's been contacting Bruce Maddox and they've been working together and everything. So I thought, especially since this was going to be a story about artificial life that it made, you know, like a ton of sense. And it was kind of weird that they, cause I knew, I, I saw a lot of chatter on Facebook about people like, who's this Bruce Maddox? And why do they keep expecting that we know who he is? Because, you know, like they don't, you know, if you don't watch the show and haven't watched it a bunch of times, you forget that's the name of the guy that put Data on trial. I guess so. I mean, wasn't he also in the episode with Data's daughter? He was not in that episode, okay, they, they mentioned him. About, they must have just talked about it. Yeah, him. they talked about him. Because, yeah, it's like a random Starfleet admiral that shows up and basically okay. says, yeah, we don't want both androids on the same ship and we're going to take the daughter away. And Data's like, no. So, and then isn't yeah. Data's day starting out with dear dr maddox yes yes it does and so that's the thing it's like but they brought this character that's super obscure because they knew that he like story-wise though there was this strong connection with data with this question of whether artificial life was real life and that he had sort of changed in his views because of how he had worked with data over time and so i really liked that and i really liked that they they used him as sort of like even though he wasn't even in picard that much they used him as sort of a focal plot point for driving like the first half of the show and so that was that was pretty cool you know it makes me happy that if people were like who is this character maybe they went back and looked up and watched measure of a man which was a very intense episode right yeah so james did you remember who bruce maddox was no no (laughs) like like i was familiar with the name but like it was there was no moment that i was just like Yeah, no, he he stands out. I definitely yeah. Mm, no. Yeah, no. If you remember the one where Data was put on trial for whether or not he's a person, that was the guy that was basically arguing like I want to mass produce Data, and so I declare him to just be like an appliance, and so let's just like take <laughs> he's him a apart. Toaster, and, right? We were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that was his argument, and and uh, Picard had to argue that no Data was a living being, and so that's the. Yeah. They, they go through all that in that trial yeah but um 
Yeah, all right. So um, just really quick again, because I know um, Stephanie's going to get going. But of our new characters, who was your favorite? Um, so let's start with you this time, James. Who was your favorite of the new character? And then besides number one, we know you like number <laughs> one, but who was your favorite? <laughs> um, honestly, uh, it was... Um, oh, I can't... I'm trying to remember the character name. I'm so bad at remembering names. Uh, it was It was the the Romulan boy. Um, oh, um, um, Narek, isn't that, isn't that his name? Elnor. Oh, you're talking about Elnor. Oh, okay. Yeah, the ninja. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh okay. Legolas yeah. in space. Yes. Um, I love that character. And the thing is, is like, initially, I wasn't really sure if I'd like him at all because um, he was really straightforward. Don't get me wrong. As somebody mm -hmm. who loves Kandor, uh, who's just mm -hmm. like, oh, absolute Kandor. This is the best um but <laughs> when i was watching him i was like i don't know if i'm gonna like this character i don't know where this is gonna go and it ends up that his character is really great like i i really understood like the character's struggle um as far as like you know he's he's a lone boy raised by a bunch of uh warrior nuns and <laughs> like he doesn't have like a father figure and picard was that and then he just disappears and he's just he, he feels very left behind in that sense and so like that struggle and that conflict between him and picard the resolution with it and then his like time with the borg uh like with hugh was just fantastic because he saw the plight of these people was just like no like this I have new purpose. Um, and I just love that story. And then like his time with uh, Seven of Nine and them just, you know, being awesome together as both badasses. Like, I just, I love that character. See, I, I had a hard cool. time with the fact that he stayed behind to help the Borg, but he still died. <laughs> I was like, no, no, if he stayed behind, you should live. <laughs> yeah. He can only be so ninja. <laughs> <laughs> What is it he says to everyone, pl friends, please value your lives or something like that every time that like, it's because basically it's like, if he attacks you, you're going to die. And so he's telling you to like, stop. So right. It's like, I really don't want to kill you. If right. I don't have to. Like... And they're just like, oh, we're going to try to kill you. He's like, all right, I guess I got to kill you then. Right, exactly. Funeral, I forget it. It's, it's a particular phrase he says every time. And I think it's something like friends, please value your life. Something like that. And it's just like... <laughs> It's like, I am so awesome. I already know that you're going to die if I draw on you. So please just don't. <laughs> right, right. Uh, oh, here it is. Uh, please, my friends, choose to live. <laughs> oh, that's it. Yes. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, that's a good choice. That is a very good choice. Um, Stephanie, who is your favorite of the new characters? Oh, I was going to go with Elnor. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead with uh, Rafi. Ooh. Um, I, I liked her, her angst while still having that same uh, Federation do-goodness that we're familiar with. Um, I, I thought they managed to mesh it pretty well with the fact that she is a very troubled woman. Mm -hmm. um, it was also kind of... <clears throat> I, I know a lot of people ripped on the series for having people smoking and having drug issues and stuff like that. But, I mean, that's an issue that humanity has had since day one. I doubt it'll ever disappear entirely. Um... So I thought it was really nice that they showcased 
these issues on a Starfleet officer, granted a, a former officer. Mm-hmm. Um, it was implied that she was struggling with those things substantially longer than her dismissal from Starfleet. Um, but while she was still struggling with this angst and anger at Picard and at her life in general, she still came through to do what she knows is right. And she's what we know as a typical do-gooder Starfleet officer. Yeah. I think everyone who talks about the fact that there's like darkness in this version of the Federation is kind of missing the point because that's like the story, right? We've got these people who are idealistic. We've got our Picards. We've got our Raffis. We've got even Rios and they've all been let down because they believed in that. They believed in the Roddenberry vision and reality has crept in. And it's that that's like kind of like breaking them as people. And it's only by them coming together and deciding that, you know, they are going to try to make things better, that they kind of help each other out of that. And, you know, I think that's, I think that's the point. I don't think it's supposed to be, you know, like, oh, let's all like wallow in doom and gloom. It's supposed to be the point is sometimes reality intrudes on idealism, but that doesn't mean that the idealism is wrong or a problem. It means that you've got to work to achieve that. No, I agree completely. Yeah. Cause I know that, I mean, that's the stuff that I hate too, is everybody complaining about this and it's just like, but but both this and discovery like that stuff isn't like it's not an end point it's a beginning point for a story <laughs> you know it's like they're not they're the, the creators aren't asserting that this is the way things should be they're saying it's not <laughs> it's just like ah all right anyway um uh, juliet uh favorite character okay so i was a little bit torn and i still am okay. so i'm going to say uh zani the leader of the kowat milat the mm. warrior nuns because mm. i think she's amazing and romulan warrior nuns holy hells where were they <laughs> all of my life mm. and um the folks that are the vineyards caretakers uh laris and zaban the mm. fact that they are sarcastic <laughs> that they don't take any crap from picard and that they were tell she are and know how to kick butt and they have weapons hidden all <laughs> over the place yes. so beautiful oh, <laughs> yeah i love their relationship with picard too and with each other and with picard because i think that they are they're great they're i want i want so much more of them in the next season because mm. they were just dropping over desks flipping over chairs there are guns and blasters everywhere you could phasers whatever you want i mean they were <laughs> tal shiar they know how to get these things mm. so i don't know they they and the warrior nuns are just some of my new favorite people <laughs> awesome uh um since he hasn't been talked about yet, I'll take Rios. Um, I like, I mean, you know, we, we go with the sort of typical scumbaggy sort of, you know, you know, pilot, you know, type, you know, million different shows have done this character before. Um, the, the, the thing where he has all the emergency holograms on and they're all him is hilarious. <laughs> I love that right off the bat. But, um, you know, going to the fact that, you know, he was a Starfleet officer and again, he's another broken character, you know, from you know, his own idealism being shattered 
with the situation that happened and then seeing what happened to his former captain and all that kind of stuff. I thought that that was, you know, an interesting take on. And again, it's not the most original idea that the, that the, you know, the scumbag captain really has a heart of gold or anything in it, but I kind of like watching the journey with him and I felt like it was done really well. And the emergency holograms everywhere. And the, the fun thing is that they don't act alike at all. And so it's like, it's the same actor. He gets to play like a bunch of different roles. So I think that that's hilarious. So, you know, I, I did like the character of Rios quite a bit. All right. Um, just really quick, um, I do want to mention our two main Romulans, which was uh, Narissa and Narek. Um, I was so glad when she died. Yeah, yeah. Peyton List playing a psycho, you know, not the first time, but, you know, <laughs> she does it kind of well. And um, Narek was I'm just... worried that we never heard a thud. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're good. We're dealing with comic book rules now. <laughs> <laughs> if you i feel sorry because i i did not enjoy her character at all i mean i know she was supposed to be a villain but she was not even an interesting villain yeah no i mean i like peyton list generally but i was not a big fan of her character in this either um mm -hmm. and but uh Narek was actually the more interesting of the two of them i thought but the sort of skeezy almost fetish that he had that oh i'm supposed to hate androids but i also like kind of want to like mentally you know like just like control her and everything was like it it was very uncomfortable to watch um like him in that context but at the same time i felt like he acted it very well so it was one of those kinds of situations where it's like i think the actor did a good job but his character was kind of like reprehensible so um yeah other thoughts about the romulans i mean the romulans i don't know <laughs> uh, i i was very disappointed in tamlin tamita <laughs> <laughs> played uh commodore O. uh being a babylon 5 alumni she should know better but anyway <laughs> uh, yeah you know when she appeared i was like i recognize her yeah. why do i recognize her i really recognize her and i pull up the imdb i'm like ah <laughs> yeah yeah i thought i knew it was her like i recognized her but i was like i'm gonna confirm and i also pulled out imdb because i was like i think she's lieutenant commander takashima but i'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure of that so yep all right but um all right so um final thing and then we're gonna say our sign outs what do you we know Whoopi goldberg's gonna reprise guinan in season two and so that's gonna be really cool uh, but is there anything else that you want out of season two? Um, so uh, let's start with you on this one, Juliet. Um, more on the caretakers of the vineyard, more on the mm. warrior nuns, and give me some Q. Mm. I want some Q. I don't care. I want him to be, a, you know, maybe he's going to talk with Picard on the whole Picard's <laughs> artificial body and such. They, they get into some weird conversations. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Oh, but remember now that was what i thought was going to be like a surprise twist as to how they saved him not that he became a android but i was thinking for sure q was going to suddenly <laughs> pop in and be a surprise uh cameo yeah i completely forgot that i had been thinking that while watching it so that, sorry to cut you off but oh that would have been awesome that that was totally what i thought was going to happen and i was clearly very wrong <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I am curious to see what's going to happen with this whole planet of, you know, Data's descendants, basically. I, mm. I'm curious to know what's going to happen there. I expect that we will explore that some more. I know we're not done with the Romulans. I really hope the Borg make a resurgence because one of the things I've been most worried about was them reactivating that cube that has been yeah. cut off from the collective. And now if it's active again, does the collective know where they're at? Are the Borg going to come back out in force? I don't know. I kind of want them to. Yeah, with Guinan being one of the characters next season, I mean, that would make total sense if that's the direction they're going to go with it. So I also want to see Starfleet continue its xenophobic little jerk attitude because I like seeing Star Starfleet be the bad guys for once. Yeah. Um, James, what would you like to see out of a season two? More number one. <laughs> um uh, it was really sad that like we see the dog and then the dog just stayed behind you, know? you just no. want like a number one spinoff yeah yeah like, if we like, just do <laughs> he can have adventures like when picard's off on some mission somewhere it's number one and the people working in the vineyard and they have right, he's just chasing birds off i'd be happy with that uh no <laughs> in seriousness um you know god i don't know there's so many things um i thought it was interesting that they at least how i interpreted it at least they connected the discovery and picard universe with the whole like the machines because that was mm -hmm. at the very tipping end of uh season two discovery and i was like oh interesting i thought that was really cool uh to a certain degree um and so i was just like i wonder whatever kind what other possible like universe crossover stuff they might do where um they integrate other parts of the, the the star trek universe at all if they'll do anything further um around that um just because i'm always interested to see that um but as far as character specific stuff or story specific um i think i mean i agree i'd, I'd like to see more with the borg and that's mostly just because i as, as we discussed i just felt like they were kind of there just to drive plot along, not to really have a, a real big role in any way, which was a mm -hmm. bit disappointing because um, we explore that whole PTSD kind of thing that Picard has. And then we just like drop it <laughs> and it's like, oh, OK, but now he's so like, does that continue uh, for him with the knowledge of like now he's an android, technically speaking? Um, so like, is that still like some sort of issue with him? Or how does it translate? I think there's a lot of really interesting nuances they could decide to explore. I definitely see want to see other cast members from uh, the next generation come back and stuff. I know they've already got that slated, um, but there's definitely like more exploration I'd like to see there because I'm interested in those characters' stories as well. Like what happened after they all left the Enterprise and went their own ways. So yeah. All right, very cool. And uh, Stephanie, what would you like to see out of season two? Definitely more Borg and more Seven. Um, I made that pretty clear throughout the rest of our conversation here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm in agreement, too, that I would really love to see a little bit of what's going on with our former castmates, um, even if it isn't them necessarily cameoing, just let us know who's the current captain of the Enterprise. I mean, clearly it's not the same Enterprise we, we know, but there's still an Enterprise out there. Who's, who's the captain? Um, what actually did happen to Jordy? In this world, is he still married to the... Or in this future, is he still married to the woman that 
he had that creepy creepy situation with yeah <laughs> that was my thing i was like when we see jordy i do not want him to be married to leah brahms because yeah, sure. that was the Let thing in all good things where i was like no no don't throw that in here like oh he just creeped her enough until she like was okay with it and then she left her husband for him it's just like mm. yeah let leah stay with her husband and jordy <laughs> have someone who he didn't basically stalk and then right. <laughs> Uh, what's going on with Ambassador Worf? Uh, or right? No, he wasn't an ambassador. What well, he no, well, he's supposed. <laughs> well, Deep Space Nine ends with him becoming an ambassador, but then in Nemesis, suddenly he's like in a Starfleet yeah. uniform again. So who knows okay. what's going on with Worf? So that's where my confusion on Worf came yeah. from. <laughs> yeah. So what path did he really take? Um, right. I, I think it would be kind of awesome to see a reappearance of Worf, just because that would tie him into basically every uh every time period that we've seen for the enterprise yes. <laughs> I know. um because you know he played his great great grandpa or whatever mm -hmm. so yeah you know your thing about like seeing who's captaining the enterprise if he wasn't if he hadn't already passed i would love for it to be nog as captain of the Enterprise, but you know, mm -hmm. the actor died. So that's something that they could do as just a a mention. Yeah, and I mean it's true. I think that would make so many fans so happy because his actor was so loved in the community and so mm. involved with the fandom too. Mm. So Yeah, I thought that would be a nice touch, you know, Captain Nog. <laughs> but uh yeah. I'm sorry, were you done? I don't know. We'll okay. say yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, there are a few things I think that, that other people have mentioned, but that I've taken a slightly different direction is, like, the whole thing about Picard being an android. The question arises now, does that mean he's illegal in Federation space? And that would be oh. interesting because of that whole issue also. So not only just the self-discovery for him, but is it something where, like, if anyone finds out that that's what, you know, he's become, like, suddenly, like, they're going to start hunting him and stuff. And I think that might be an interesting, like, thing to explore. I definitely want to see more, you know, characters, like I say, and we know Guinan's going to be in it. And it, they don't even have to be... Um, you know, next-gen characters, I mean, just like how they pulled in Seven from Voyager, I would not mind seeing some of the Voyager or Deep Space Nine uh, characters in Picard and to see what happened with them either. I mean... Janeway pop in. Right. I mean, you know, could be someone like Janeway or could be someone like O'Brien since he straddles both shows. You know, like there's all sorts of things you could do, you know, with various, you know, uh, characters and stuff. And, and it's really just a matter of, you know, what story they're going to tell in 10 episodes of who would make the most sense and how they could do that. But the thing that I'm really interested in because I feel like they'll probably go a different direction than artificial life, um, or at least not have that be like the main thing in the next season, because they'll probably want to explore different things. The main thing I want to know about what's going on right now in Federation space is what's going on with the wormhole in the Gamma Quadrant. And I would really like to know, like, I'd like somehow, whether it's through a board connection where they're coming through the wormhole or something, I'd love to have them explore, like, that sort of, like, Deep Space Nine sort of thing and, like, how, how that's, like, impacting, you know, the situation in the Federation in this time period. So um, I, I don't know we'll get that, but that is something I would really love to see. 
I mean, I'm just going to put it out there right now. My idea for a Deep Space Nine movie has been there since forever. It's the board come through the wormhole and Cisco comes back to warn everybody before it happens. So, you know, guys, you can just make that. It doesn't have to be a movie on its own. It can be a season of Picard, okay? Like, but you know, Cisco shows up to warn the Bajorans that, you know, the Borg are coming and then everybody got to get the band back together on Deep Space Nine. And then Picard shows up too. It can, it can, that can all be part of it, you know, so, and then Worf and O'Brien are there who were people who knew Picard. So, I mean, it all works. So, you know, <laughs> call me CBS, call me. I got a dozen of these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I've wanted a DS9 movie since 1999, okay? I've had a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> I, I think they deserved it. Yeah, no, I think they did too. I think they did. The only, the only thing that might make it difficult to do it the way I was thinking, though, is that apparently Avery Brooks has like, become this like crazy hermit that like doesn't do anything. Like He doesn't make public appearances or do anything, so I don't know if they'd be able to get him back, but they could get everybody else back, so... I mean, at least the character is the most uh, reasonable to not make an appearance. Right, right. It, it's just for that initial thing that I wanted to have of Cisco showing up to, like, you know, warn everybody, you know, that, that would require Avery Brooks. But you, didn't, you don't need to have that part. You could have something else be the thing that tips them off that the Borg are coming, so... All right. Um, but yeah, so I know we got to cut things off now, but it was a lot of fun uh, talking with all of you about Picard. And I think we're all looking forward to season two. Um, but uh, yeah, let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us. So uh, let's start with you, Stephanie. Well, you can find me on Instagram at Witches Teacup. Uh, that's as a possessive instead of a plural so with instagram not letting me do apostrophe it looks like a typo but uh over at witch's teacup i do tea reviews and tea photos um on a at least weekly basis uh, i've been really trying to produce quality over quantity lately um but i do hope to eventually bump up to at least twice a week um and that is definitely the most active place that I am right now due to 2020 being a year where absolutely nothing is going on cosplay-wise. My usual uh, cosplay-related places are just silent. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Alcrea, A-L-K-R-E-A. -E um, and over there, you'll mostly see me rambling about writing or the occasional political tirade or just going on about Sailor Moon stuff. Uh, but honestly, it's usually me writing about writing. Okay. Uh, Juliet, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram as Rumi Elf, R-U-M-I-E-L-F, or on Twitter as the underscore visible underscore elf. I post a lot of runs. I post pictures of my runs three times a week. So I really hope you like zombies and running and cats. I don't have kids. I have cats and a bird and I post about them a lot. I do want to say a quick thing. If you haven't read the Star Trek Picard book, The Last Best Hope, I highly recommend it. It's a huge prequel to the series and goes into so much fantastic detail. It's well written. Look it up. I'm holding it. I will read it. <laughs> 
I didn't realize it was called The Last Best Hope. I kind of snicker at that title, but all right. It's <laughs> that, perfect. That Trust me. Anything. Oh, you can find... any... Well, no, it's an obvious ripoff of Babylon 5 since it's <laughs> The Last Best Hope for, for Peace. But anyway, since we were just talking about Babylon 5 earlier, so. <laughs> but yeah, you can also find me on uh, the podcast that Nathan and I host uh, regarding Doctor Who. We're watching Classic Who at the moment. Uh, it's called Time Streams. And it's pretty fun because you get to hear my ridiculous reactions to the first times watching these episodes. Yep. And lots of, lots of fashion talk. So much fashion talk. It's so bad. <laughs> All right. And uh, James, let you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. Yeah. Uh, so if people want to find me, um, I'm in all the usual places, which pretty much begin with Roman on the rocks. So <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. If it's Roman on the rocks, that's probably me. Um, unless it's something really weird. And then it's definitely not me. Uh, but yeah, uh, following me in all those places. And as always, it's always a pleasure to be here and talk about things that either I don't know as much about, or maybe I know something about. Very cool. And uh, James, Stephanie, and Juliet, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thanks for having, Thanks for having, me. For having us back. And that's it for our Picard episode. We hope that you liked it, and you can let us know in a variety of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our f- website at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast and leave us a message there. Or you can tweet to us or use our Instagram, both at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. With Apple Podcasts, every review means that we're more likely to show up on searches, so we'd really appreciate that. Next up, we should mention the ESO Network Patreon. That's a way for you to help all the shows on the network. There are different tiers that you can look at to see how much you can contribute and the different perks that you get. There are multiple exclusive podcasts from the ESO Network just for patrons. There are exclusive episodes, early episodes of some shows, all sorts of different perks. So just go look at that. It's at patreon.com slash ESO network. And if you can contribute anything, we would greatly appreciate it. You can also find me on two other podcasts. One is the time streams where Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to actually purchase the episodes. You can just follow along just to hear us because we explain the episodes as we go. Or if you want to follow along with us, that's also great because you'll definitely get more out of it that way. The other show is Legendary Forces, where Juliet and I again, but also joined by Joe, Ashley, and Corey, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. So that's all the comics, novels, TV shows, movies, everything that actually takes place in the Star Wars universe. We talk about how much we enjoyed it, and then we also talk about how it impacts the Star Wars canon as we think about it. Because even things that are no longer considered canon by Disney sometimes influence things just in ways that other writers who now work for Disney have taken some of that material and put it in there. And how people sort of think about Star Wars is still shaped by some of those older things. So we'll talk about all of that too. So if that interests you, definitely check that out. So that wraps things up for this week. Join us back next week when Ryan Reynolds will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. 
Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.